Glad to be here to bring God's word to you. Uh, Neville is uh, in PEI, I believe, uh, uh, today, and he'll be there for the next couple of days, and he'll be back next Sunday. Um, it's very exciting, this new chapter. So uh, I was asked if I would speak today, and I was like, hmm, what should I speak on? That's always the dilemma, you know, as a, as a pastor, you know, what, what are you going to be preaching on? And usually uh, you plan way in ahead, but just, you know, the way it is, it's, uh, this was kind of a one-off, and I could just preach on anything. And it's like having writer's block. You're like, what am I going to say? You know, what have I said? And what, what am I too scared to say, maybe? I'm not ready to say that yet. And then... Um, and so I came up with, uh, you know, what I thought I should, God gave me a message to preach. And it didn't hit me until I was in the shower this morning. I won't give you the details of the shower, but anyways, uh, in my mind, I was thinking like, why did I pick this topic? And, um, and it hit me like, it's, it's what's on my plate right now. It's what I'm, I'm eating in my spiritual journey and my spiritual feeding. And uh, it, it was a message that, uh, you know, a sub-message in the message is this. If you're ever wondering, how do I share my faith? Uh, what do I say? It's a big task, you know? Like uh, someone uh, I know I love, they, they need Jesus. I don't know what to say. Well, just share what's on your plate. You know, I, I've said this before. I think uh, Spurgeon is the one. Uh, Dave Kindred also wrote this to me this past week. I've said it many times, you know, just one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. You know, if we could change the saying a little bit, you know, one hungry person sharing their plate with another hungry person. Like, this is what's feeding me. Maybe it'll give you nourishment as well. So in my readings, I was in Luke and reading about John the Baptist. Or, or John the Baptizer. I like to say it, John the Baptizer, because, you know, like, <laughs> he was more than just a Baptist, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, you know, I'm Al the Baptist. He's John the Baptist. You're uh, a Baptist, too, if you're a member here. Surprise, surprise, if you didn't know. Um, John the Baptizer. It's quite a remarkable story. In all of the New Testament, there is none as equal to Christ, as close as Christ than John, in my opinion. There is no one that we have a, a full account of pretty much, you know, from birth to death than John. Uh, you know, Paul, we, you know, he, he wrote most of the New Testament, and we, we know a lot about Paul, but we don't know his beginnings so much, and, and we don't really know his ending. Uh, Peter, you know, we know his beginning with Christ, but you know, there's, there's not the full scope, but John is very unique in that we know his birth, we know his ministry, and we know his death found in the scriptures. And often I've just kind of used, you know, John's that person who, who just points to Jesus. And interesting enough, if, you, if you're into art whatsoever, I'm looking at you, Kate, I know you like art, uh, a lot of the Renaissance paintings, if you look at, you know, like, who is that? Because they all look the same. Like this guy up here, I'm sure, uh, I mean, it's Jesus and John. And I'm sure the artist is like, you know what? I'm a pretty handsome guy. I'll just paint myself twice. Because <laughs> they look the same. Now, they are related, remember. But John, in all the paintings, you will see him pointing. He's always a pointer. Uh, and he, he points the people towards Christ. And it's a remarkable 
you know, account. When you think of his whole purpose was to point, direct people to Christ. And isn't that our purpose? Isn't that my purpose as a pastor, as, as a Christ follower? Like, don't follow me, follow Christ, the one who I'm following. Like, like come, I want you to meet Jesus. So John is, you know, he's the one who points the way to, to Jesus. So uh, I'm going to kind of talk about his whole life. I might get on some rabbit trail, so hopefully you can track with me. Uh, but his life, I think, has some meaning for myself, and I pray it's, it's for you as well. So we know that uh, John had a, a very unique birth, just like Christ. And it's, it's comparable to the story of Abraham and Sarah because John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were well in their age and were childless. And, and Zechariah was a priest uh, and he prayed, you know, for a son, just like any, you know, uh, family prays for a son in, in those days to, to carry on the name, to, to have uh, some honor of, you know, a, fa- a big family. And Elizabeth, she comes from the priestly line of Aaron as well. So this, this family's well established in the Lord, and yet they have yet to have a child. Let, you know, haven't had a son or a child, you know, let alone. And so it says this, uh, Zechariah, it was his turn to, to go into the tent to, to give the offering and to pray on behalf of the people. And, and they all weigh in it. And there's a vision of the Lord who comes on to Zechariah that he's going to have a son. And he, he finds it hard to believe because he's quite, quite old and his wife is quite old. And he's like, how can this be? Like, I, I, I can't believe this. This is too good to be true. And so his speech is taken from him. And, and the angel of the Lord says, you know, everything I say will come to be. And so he goes home and he tells his wife. But this is what the, the angel says. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice about his birth. This sounds so much like Christ, right? Like, you know, Prince of Peace, you know, of joy. And, you know, that this is very similar to Christ, that this is going to be a blessing to many. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. How many of you as parents uh, as you, you're, you find out you're pregnant, that you're like, uh, the delight comes, and you're like, I pray that my child, that they'll serve God, that they'll point others to him, like that, that God would use them. You know, that I've prayed that for my kids, and, and you know, I, we try to raise them up to be that very tool for Christ. And so I'm sure Zechariah, being a priest, is like, this is good stuff. All right, it's hard to believe, but if what you say is true, then great. It's like if you played hockey, all right, and and someone said, you know what, your little Johnny's going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. You'd be like, what? Really? My son? Like, maybe you're thinking cha-ching, you know. But the prestige, you know, this is my son, goes on to say, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even uh, before he's born, in the womb, the Spirit's going to indwell him. He's going to be used even in, before he's on this planet, you know, walking around. God's going to be using him. And, and, uh, and he will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. You know, this uh, reference to Elijah is that Wayne Gretzky kind of like, he's going to be the next Elijah, right? Like, wow, that's pretty good. And he's going to turn all of, you know, many from Israel back to, to, to God. And that's the whole message of the prophets is repent from your way. Turn back to God. How many have needed to repent, to, to turn back to God? Always. Uh, you know, this last, to make ready a people, prepare for the Lord. Are we prepared for Jesus to come back? <laughs> Leanne just prayed, you know, would you wake us up? Are we prepared for you to come? Are we prepared for you to come back, Jesus? I don't know. Because there's a lot of people who don't know you. So, no, I'm not ready for you to come back, Jesus. So, like, use me. Uh, prepare me so I can be used for you, God. I relate to this. So we have Elijah and John the baptizer, and we should see a similarity because John is basically Elijah in the New Testament. You know, uh, Zechariah would recall from uh, Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 5 to 6, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the ch- their children and the hearts of the children to the parents. Remember, he just quoted that. or The angel quoted it to him. Or else I would come and strike the land with total destruction. And so we have to keep this in mind, all right? Israel was awaiting a Messiah, a king, who was going to come and overturn the Roman Empire, to, to bring uh, their nation back, to establish them. And they would have a king, and they would be powerful. They would be mighty again, and, and they wouldn't be ruled by anybody but the Messiah. And so this day of judgment and destruction, you know, they, oh, like, we're in bondage now, but your time's coming because the king's coming. And he, you don't want to be upset. He, you don't want him upset with you because he's going to bring a heavy hand. But Jesus comes, not, you know, not preaching destruction, but salvation. So John is Elijah. John chapter 1 says this. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in, in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites uh, to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess and confess freely, I am not the Messiah. So John, we, we don't know exactly what happens to him in, in his early years, but uh, we know that uh, at some point he was, he was sent out into the wilderness and he, he lived a very modest life and it, it resembles a sect of Judaism called the Essenes. And the Essenes were people who lived in the caves and they, you know, they wore very simple things. So it says John wore camel hair and, and a leather girdle and, and like he, he, he was fairly plain. He ate a wild locusts and, and wild honey and, and he was very seg- uh, segregated from the culture. And the scenes were that. They, they practiced a ritual purification, like baptizing them each day, saying, you know, purify us, purify us, because your judgment's coming. And they preached about turning back to, to, to the Lord. So John's preaching this message, and people are picking up what he's throwing down, and they're excited, like, oh, like, yes, we need to repent, and their hearts are getting... T- 
are moved. And I, I pray that as you come, like your heart's just moved. Like, yeah, I need, I need to turn back. I need to, I need to align myself. I, I see myself in this story. I am Israel too often. And so they say, you know, you know, are you the Messiah? You sound a whole lot like this, this coming priest, this, this, you know, one that we've been waiting for. Are you the Messiah? He's like, no, I'm not the man, <laughs> but I know the man, all right? And, and, and he's going to be far greater than me, they asked him. Then, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I, I'm not. And we're going to come back to that because he is. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Is he a prophet? Yes, but is he the prophet that they were waiting for? No, he is a prophet. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. So the Pharisees sent some spies into to, uh, the crowd to say, All right, what's happening out there in the, in the wilderness? What do you say about yourself? John replied, in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, or, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He says, I baptize with water. But there, among you stands one who you do not know, all right? And he is the one who comes after me. The straps of his sandals I'm not, even, I'm not even worthy to, to, to tie them, to touch them. You call me Messiah? No, no, no. I, I, I'm nothing compared to that Messiah, the Messiah, the prophet. And am I, am I the Elijah? No, but his spirit is definitely on him. God's using him just like Elijah, to, to call people out of repentance back to his plan of being one nation, being one tribe, being his people, not off on you know, their own schemes, not falling after Rome or the advances of, of today and the culture, but to be, be distinct. So he's baptizing. And while he's baptizing, Jesus shows up on the scene. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away it says this in John chapter 1. Um, and then, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus walking, he said, look, the Lamb of God. We know that <laughs> Jesus comes in the water, and John's like, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus is like, no, this is right for you to do it for me. Because you go before me to prepare the way for the Messiah. So baptize me. God's doing something. You are part of it. And so he says, look, the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. I've blown over that so many times when I've read the scriptures. And it dawned on me this week, huh, why, why didn't John become Jesus' disciple? And, that, and why didn't he just follow him if he said, behold the Lamb of, the God, uh, you know, of God? Like, why didn't he just say, all right, everyone, we're going to follow this guy now. All right, so like, wherever he goes, we go. It doesn't happen that way. But two of his disciples do. 
I don't know, maybe this is a side that doesn't matter, but I think there's something in this that we can learn as well. Uh, it says this, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Now, Andrew is the brother of Simon Peter. And we know Peter as, you know, being the one that Christ says, I, I, my church I will leave in your hands. I'll build it on this rock and, and you will kind of lead the church going forward. He first found his, his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, <laughs> which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And, and having looked at him, Jesus said, you, you were Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Caiaphas, which translated stone, a rock. You will be a pillar. You'll be powerful. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty meaningful. I point this, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when I read that, I think, who's my Andrew? Who, who, who was it that came and said, hey, you need, to, you need to find Jesus. You need to come. Let me show you who he is. It, it is it's Matthew and Cedric and, and Edward. You know, Edward is, is the guy who invited me to go to church. I named my son after him, uh, his middle name. Who's your Andrew? Who, if they didn't reach into your life, you might not have met Jesus. And, and then the other question is, you know, or you could go, well, who called Andrew? Who, who invested in Andrew's life? Well, John, and there's something, you know, in, in, encouraging when you find out someone who worked in your life and then you find out who worked in their life, go to them and say, hey, do you realize that your influence on that person also influenced my life and that encourages the body, it builds us up? But I also want to ask you, who's your Peter? Who, who do you need to go to to tell them about Jesus? And, and they might become used in God's kingdom far greater than what you are able to do, which is it's humbling to think, you know, like, like, I always joke about, like, so my mom and dad, we used to go to Legion because um, my grandfather fought in uh, Hong Kong. And every year the families got together. And when I was going through school, mom always <laughs> introduced me as that token, like, success story. Like, this is Allison. He's our son. He's starting to be a pastor. Oh, that's really nice. You know, like, it's encouraging to know, like, our influence has a gaining effect for God's kingdom. So I want to ask you, you know, who's your Andrew? Who's your Peter that you need to go to and say, hey, come. I got Jesus I want you to show. Now, here's the tricky thing. Uh, we do comparison all the time. And so uh, I just made you think about, like, connections. But sometimes our connections can become competition. We compare ourselves to each other. We, we rank us, ourselves up like, oh, that person's, they know a lot about the Bible. I mean, look, they got their Bible there, and it's all highlighted and footnotes, and uh, I got my phone, and, you know, like, and we compare ourselves. And it's the same with Jesus and John. You know, John's doing uh, the, the work of the Lord, and people want to buy into his leadership. And then Jesus is doing something, and people are buying into his leadership, and and people who are realizing that Jesus is doing something, who are following John say, hey, did you hear about this Jesus guy? It says this. 
Now a discussion, John 3, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. Remember, Essenes talk all the time about purification. And, and they came to John and said, Rabbi, teacher, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing. And, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive any, uh, even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And the one who has the bride is the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy of, this joy of mine is now complete. He, he must increase, and I need to decrease. You know, like, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying there. John's not saying, hey, I'm nothing, and I don't have a message. He's saying, if you want to compare, there is no comparison. He needs to increase. His influence needs to be the main influence. But I'm going to continue to be an influence. I'm still going to be used for him. I'm still going to be great because the Holy Spirit's with, within me and, and being used by me. But if it's a comparison, there is none. He must increase. So as we read the story, as I read the story, I, I see John goes through some struggles. And we all go through struggles, right? Amen? Yeah, <laughs> amen, yeah, tell me about it. Don't get me going now on struggles. So yeah, I hear you. Well, I mean, John had a good amount of struggles himself. Think about this. So he, he preaches repentance. And uh, he says to the, to the Pharisees, like, and the leaders, like, you who have two coats, give Give one to somebody else. Like, stop collecting so much. Now, no, I'm not pointing any fingers to anybody, right? But how much stuff do we have? Yeah, too much. He says to the to tax collectors, you know, like, take just what you need. Don't, don't exploit people. He says to the soldiers, don't, don't exploit people because of your, your power or your position. And maybe you're not a soldier, but maybe you're in leadership somewhere. And you're like, yeah, I can throw my weight around because I can. And a, a soldier had that authority. Like, hey, you, carry my shield and sword. No, I'm busy. <laughs> or off to prison. So he's like, don't, don't abuse people. Repent of that if you have. You know, come back to the Lord. And he, he calls out the king. Herod, Herod Antipas, uh, he, he calls him out on his sexual affairs because Herod uh, married his brother's or had an affair with his brother's wife and they got married and, and he calls him out and says, that's not right. And what does Herod do? In the prison. How dare you? So, I mean, John, he rocks the boat here. He has these struggles for taking a stand. And he's in prison now. And he hears about Jesus in prison. And, and make no bones about it. Prison's not a fun time now. It's less fun time back then. So people will go providing food, providing what is needed for prisoners because they were left to their own. 
says this in Luke 7. John's disciples told him about all these things, that what Jesus was doing, you know, the miracles. And calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord and asked, are, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you. Now, it's interesting. They could have just asked him, like, are you the one? But they're like, they, they verify it. Like, this is John who wants to know. You know, the one who said, behold, you are the lamb. He, he's asking, are you the one who has come? Or we, should we expect someone else? See, John's going through a struggle. I don't know about you. When I'm struggling, I can be my worst a version of myself when I see God. And I can struggle. I can have doubts about who I am, about who he is. And I think John's the same way. Like, I thought I was, I thought that I was this voice of the desert saying, the Messiah's coming, who's going to overthrow this government, and here I am in prison. Are, are you the one? Is this struggle worth it? Are you really Jesus, the Messiah? I'm not going to ask you for hands, but I've, I've been there. God, are you really going to be who you say you are? When I'm going through this struggle, and his struggle gets worse, <laughs> you know, it goes on to say that, you know, Her, uh, Herodias, the, the, the wife, gets pretty upset about John claiming, you know, the, the sin. And so she schemes, you know, to have her daughter dance. And, and, and Herod goes, hey, I'll give you anything you want, you know. And so the mother goes, hey, I want John's head on a platter. I want it, I want it now. And so he's like, all right. So they execute John. I can't even imagine that. You know, we read about it, and you're like, oh, we know the story. Could you imagine if we lived in that? Oh, I, it happens. The persecuted church is happening right now. So he says, look, look, the Lamb of God. Isn't he the same one? And it's interesting here. Uh, Jesus' response is this. Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are clean. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So maybe John's not stumbling, but maybe he just needs that reassurance like, all right, I I'm staying faithful. And after John's messengers left, it says, Jesus began to speak to, to the crowd about John. He said, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A, a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in, in fine clothes? That's my finest, by the way. No. No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxuries or in palaces. You know, John was out in the desert. He had camel hair on. I'm sure he, he kind of reeked a little bit. He, he fasted, and, you know, he, he lived a very simple life. Was that really a, appealing to the culture? No. He says, what was John really striving for is, you know, to honor God, to, to call people back to him. John's 
message was baptism isn't for, for safety, it's for strengthening. Baptism is, is for strengthening, not for safety. Uh, we have a baptismal here. I've been blessed to baptize people. Um, right now, right now, my daughter, Kara, is saying, like, oh, I want to be baptized. And I'm like, I just, I'm leaping. Like, yeah, but I'm like, whoa. Do you understand? Do you understand what it means? Do you understand that you need to take a stand? You need to repent from your ways and turn to Christ. And, and, and too often, we see it as a, a, just a safe practice. And I'm not pointing any fingers here. All right, I'm not. But I've had that experience in, in a past church that I was serving at. You know, a good friend of mine, their, their child wanted to be baptized and said, would you baptize? I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to them about baptism. I didn't say, yes, I would baptize them. I'll go talk to them. And so I sat down and said, hey, why do you want to be baptized? I don't know. Everybody else is being baptized. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right, well, do you understand what baptism is? Maybe we can work with that. And they're like, yeah, you know, like we get washed clean of our sins. Okay, a little bit, but you're, and this idea is like, we just want to have our kids safe and have them baptized and just grow up in the church and just be safe. And it can be very popular. And so people are going to John because they, they want to be a part of this movement. And so the Pharisees go and, and John calls them out. He's like, what are you doing here? You think this is all for a show? So baptism is for our strengthening because you know the, the struggles are going to come. And, and, you know, like if you're just thinking like this is some fire insurance of some sort, you know, like, a, of, you know, like freed from, uh, from, from hell, then it's not like we will have struggles because Christ went through struggles. And it actually is a symbol of death, dying to ourself and, and carrying up our cross and following him. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, like, don't do it because it's popular and safe. And I'm not saying anyone has. Don't hear that. Please don't hear that. And maybe you, you say, yeah, that was me. I just wanted to do it because everybody else. Fine. Today's a new day. Just say, hey, I've been baptized. I recognize that Christ has died. And, and just live your life. Don't make it a big deal about what you were in the past. Because God's using us today. He wants to use this tomorrow. He says, what do you, what did you see? You know, you saw a prophet. Uh, I'm rambling here, I feel. Let me bring it in. Here's a thought. Um, the Jordan River is the place of transition. G uh, John was baptizing people in the Jordan River. Where do we see the Jordan River in Scripture before? Well, we see it in a bunch of different places. Two come to mind. One, Joshua and the Israelites say, coming from Egypt, and they're about to cross into the promised land. They're going in, into a transition, uh, you know, leaving what they had in, in, in Egypt and in the desert, and they're coming into the fulfillment of God's promise. And, and they step into the Jordan River, and it parts, and they're able to walk through dry land, and it's, it's a, this beautiful transition of God's people moving into a new season. And then we see Elijah in the Jordan River, and he too steps into it, and it parts, and, and he's transitioning his, his authority to Elijah. And he was the great prophet, remember? It's interesting. You know, we talked about John having struggles. Elijah had struggles. 
He had this great God moment. You know, the, the, we know the story of uh, prophets of Baal, right? And like they, they worship and they have this competition. You know, like you call down fire and I'll call down fire. and We'll see who's God's real. You know, they, and, and he's able to bring down fire and kills the, the prophets. Well, do you know that Queen Jezebel did not take well to that? And because of that, she said, you know, surely I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. And Elijah's like, uh, I fear for my life. Even after having this moment, this divine moment, he just like John, like a divine moment. And then, you know, it struggles and like, who am I? And he, he, he heads 120 miles away. And, and God's approach isn't to rebuke him, but to, to help him, to to give him a new calling, a new mission to, to transition his power to Elijah. And, and same with John, like, hey, the, this is a transition to a greater person than yourself. I tell you, Luke 7 says this, among these born of women, there is no one greater than John. John, Jesus is saying this. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he See, Jesus doesn't get upset that John's having some struggles because he knows. He knows full well who he is. And all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right, right? Because they had been baptized by John, but the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. It's interesting this this rejected God's purpose. I asked you earlier, like, what's, what's our purpose? Like, I'm, maybe I didn't. <laughs> what's our purpose as a follower of Christ? To point people to him. In ministry, you know, I, I, what I'm chewing on my plate is, what's my call? Uh, what's my purpose? And, and you should be asking the same of yourself. Like, God, what purpose do you have? Because he's created you and gifted you for a reason to be used. Huh. But compared to that person, I'm, I'm nothing. Forget about that person. God's created you and given you a purpose to be used by you. John's response is this, and I think we need to say it too. He must increase, I must decrease. His purpose needs to reign First and foremost, my purpose or my desires, I need to put those to death. And I write this, and let me just be transparent. You know, this comparison, everyone feels it. You compare yourself. I, I know you do, <laughs> whether for good or bad, right? Like either you think you're, you're maybe better or you're less important than somebody else. And and that can be a hard place to be in too because we can be self, you know. We're going through transition. I know that's a swear word. You know, oh, we keep going through transitions. Let me be the first to say, transition's good. Transition's good. Change is good. When we, when we take a, a shift back to God, and, and let me say like, uh, you know, Neville's here, and we'll have another pastor come, uh, and we'll have another pastor come, and another pastor come. And, and all of those are going to be a case of comparison. 
And let me be the first on this stage to say, may he increase and I decrease. And that's not to say, oh, let, let, me, let me be small. No, because just like, like God's called me to be used by me. But if it's a comparison, if God's moving in somebody else, may he be increased. May, if God's using someone other than you to reach your children, may they increase. If God's using someone in your workplace to, to, to do good, may they increase and you decrease. Not to say that you're nothing, but if you're trying to one-up in the comparison, to forget about it because that's the way to Satan. So when, when we look to like change, may that increase. May God just bless that. Because we're moving towards a day of judgment. And people need to know Christ. And if it's about, hey, look at me. We're going to miss the point. So don't look at me. Look at Christ. May he increase, I decrease. And if God's using someone, if God's in someone, may Christ increase in that, uh, that ministry. Let me wrap up with saying this, you know. It really comes down to our purpose is to be like Christ. And, and Paul writes about this. He's like, your attitude should be the same as Christ. Philippians 2, he says, he goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain consent, uh, conceit. Rather, in humility, values others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of others. So like, God, if you're going to use another leader, great. Like, and some of you, let me call it out. Like you said, you know, oh, you know, you're my pastor. I'm your brother. And I am your pastor. And there will be other pastors who will have influence. And if God's going to use them, may God increase that, that influence. It's not a comparison. Let's take it away from people. Let's us. You know, like we're a church. We're gathering. If the church across the street multiplies 100 times, we could be tempted to say, what are they doing that's so good and what, you know, we're, we're failing and we, we compare. What, you know, like, may God increase that church, the Anglican church. May they see it overflowing. Well, Sussex Baptist, Sussex West, or Encounter Church. You know, like, like if God's moving, blessings. And if God's moving in somebody else, Blessings. So, yeah, we're going through transition. We're going through change. It's good. I'm really excited. I truly am excited about Neville coming. I'm excited about, you know, figuring out what my calling is, what my role is, what our calling is, what our role is, what your calling is. If you're just sitting there, let me, uh, let me be a John the Baptist and call you out. Get up. Use the gift that God's given you. Maybe you've been baptized. Was it just for safety, just for a show? Or was it for strengthening to be used by God? And we all have these giftings. Oh, I'm, I'm rambling here, but I know it for myself. And I know it for you. I'm going to have the worship team come. <laughs> just one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. And, and here's my portion, what God's feeding me. I pray it's feeding you as well. If you want to be baptized, you've never been baptized, come talk to me. Uh, we, I'm going to talk to Kara. 
but I know that God's going to lead her in her own timing. Um, maybe you want to step forward and say, you know what, I want to commit. I want to help out with the ministry. You know, God's been pushing me, and I've been pushing back, and I just want to give in. Or maybe you have this big idea, like, I, I feel God wants me to do something, but I don't know where to go. Well, like, we don't want to quench that. Like, may you increase through God's spirit. If God's going to move through you, we want to bless that, right? This isn't a competition of, like, who has the giftings or who doesn't. We all have the gifting. So I'm going to pray. If you want to come, come. We're going to have a time of helping. Maybe this is a, you know, a small step. Come and help decorate. Move some chairs. It's pretty easy. And just take it one step at a time. That's all we're called to do. God, I, I thank you. Thank you for the life of John the baptizer and how the Holy Spirit was on him from the day he was conceived in the womb and how, how his story is parallel to Christ and, and how we are to follow Christ just like John followed Christ and pointed people to him. And yeah, he has struggles. <laughs> I think we all know what struggles are like, how we can take our eyes off of Christ put them on our own circumstances. So Father, the gifting that you've given to us, the calling that you have on us, may we be bold to step up to it, even if it means persecution, even if it means, uh, you know, less of me, you know, giving my abundance away. You know, whatever it might be, Lord, that you're calling us to do, may we be bold to do it. Pray this for our church. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are just coming into faith now. Lord, that you would strengthen them. Strengthen them in the name of Christ. And it's the name of Christ that we pray this prayer. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>